0: Hey, Brad, guess what? Um, You got a bunny? No. (laughs) Did you know that giraffes are 30 times more likely to get hit by lightning than people?
1: (laughs) No, but I'm not surprised. And considering that, I mean, yes, I I can understand why, but they also live on the planes where they're that's what i
0: was saying antenna. aren't these numbers fudged yeah. just because there's no indoor giraffes i don't think it's their height i think they need to
1: to maybe base it against um the native africans that live around them and see how often they get hit by lightning rather right. than humanity as
0: a well whole. even they still live in houses brad yeah. okay did you know that <laughs> identical twins don't have the same fingerprints
1: uh, I think I did know that. I think I knew that, but that's an interesting fact to be reminded of.
0: I know. Do you know a chicken once lived for 18 months without a head? That I question. His name was Mike. <laughs> he survived because his jugular vein and most of his brain stem were left intact, ensuring just enough brain function remaining for survival.
1: Actually, yeah, no- I should not be surprised. Chickens are so fucking stupid. I could I could totally imagine that most of their life functions happen in their spinal cord.
0: You you find chickens to be a dumb animal? I I You're not, I not probably, a friend of the chicken.
1: I we had chickens when I was growing up. So I, yeah. I know from what I
0: speak and they're horrible creatures. Who's the smartest farm animal? The smartest? The dog. Pig? <laughs> I heard pigs are smart.
1: I guess they are. Um I haven't really I seen any great
0: uh yeah pigs are pretty smart i like pigs i heard the the guy who directed babe became a vegan after he made the movie (laughs) just couldn't do it anymore you know (laughs) do you know that wearing a tie can reduce blood flow to the brain by seven and a half percent
1: well yeah, it depends on how tight you tie it, right? I mean Isn't it could, that crazy it could reduce it by hundred percent if you, you want to. I've
0: always been looking for <laughs> like reasons to be like <laughs> it just came up the other day too. I had to go out to a fancy dinner. And you know, I'm a you know me, I'm a nut job, so I'm self-conscious. And if I have to go out to a place like that, I overcompensate, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm like long haired guy with the moustache and and this different, you know, vibe, and I'm like, I'm gonna throw on a suit. Right. You know, I don't have to throw on a suit, but I'm throwing on a suit. Yeah, just because I'm doing the thing, you know. And I was kind of flexing to my kids; they don't see me in a tie very often, you know. Yeah. And they're like, "Dad, how do you tie a tie?" And I'm like, "You want to know Dad's trick? I buy a tie, I have him tie it for me, and then it stays like that no. on the hanger. No and way. I'm Forty-three years old, and I do not know how to tie <laughs> a tie. On. And they're like, "Wait, what?" I'm like, "No, I'm like." I'm like, pops never had to do it. I'm like, and this was like a, the pride thing for me, you know, for a long time. I was like, I want to be able to get through life without having to tie a tie. You know, it's part of my I get it. thing where I yeah. still want the honorary college degree. And stuff. like, I want all the stuff without doing the stuff. Right. I don't know. That's the American dream, right? <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I, but I like this. It always reminds me. I used to play a punk rock venue in South Carolina, and one of the dudes who ran the shows had like, like, had a tie a tie like on his forearm, almost in like a like a fuck you kind of way. I'll never do this. You know how to? (laughs) Why do you know how to tie a tie? I wear ties. I mean, I used to
1: wear ties. Well, or how'd you learn?
0: First like, of all, you, you,
1: I probably learned when I was in art school and I was being like, I had like a kind of a mod phase.
0: Oh, you had a skinny tie phase. Yeah, I definitely yeah, had a skinny okay, tie okay, phase. okay, okay. So yours makes sense. It's not like boarding school. You actually like had like a blazer and a skinny tie at one point. Yeah. Oh, you must look great. Yeah. Put those pictures on Patreon. You know, <laughs> Neil wants to see that shit.
1: I mean, and then there was a long interim and then you know everybody started getting married so you had to like make that happen
0: right well that's when i learned to do what i did which is just keep them keep them there on the hook (laughs) never let it go past and just re-straighten it out and you're good the only time i had to wear uh, a necktie on a consistent basis was when i was an employee of hollywood video in somerville new jersey and i had (laughs) to wear a uh cummerbund and bow tie to go to work really oh yeah they wanted you to look like a uh, like a movie usher, you know? A cummerbund. Um, yeah. yeah. Like... I got hired. I was so happy. And the guy was like, yeah, so, you know, um, we'll provide the uh, cummerbund and bow tie and you have to get the uh, tuxedo pants and shirt. And I'm like, wait, what the fuck are you talking about? I thought I was getting like a blockbuster polo, you know? <laughs> of course, I had to choose the video store with. And I remember, too, there'd be, you know, cute girl would come in and. You know, she'd have a late fee, or, the, or or it wasn't rewound, and I'd flex. I'd be like, "Oh yeah, I'll take that off for you." I actually figured out my boss's uh, password, which was Megadeth, <laughs> so I knew how to take off late fees. And then I'd look down, I'd be like, "Oh my god, my chubby ass is sitting here in a cummerbund, like never fucking mind my little muffin tops, like popping out of a cummerbund." Must have <laughs> been must have been terrible, but. <laughs> moving on so dan texted me after we did this great interview mm-hmm. fantastic interview yeah and he said that oops i didn't talk about the tour coming up they do have a great tour coming up it starts february 22nd house of blues in anaheim and it's with drug church i don't know if you know this group but uh, mm. brad great I have, group
1: i have heard of them yes yeah
0: yeah great group um and uh, the Warriors as well, friends wow. of the program. Yeah. So great tour. And the record comes out uh, January 26th, just before that. And I'm just like you. I only have the, the three songs on iTunes with, well. with a band like Alkaline Trio. I am fan first, you know? <laughs> like, sure, I got a couple numbers, but fan first always, you know? This was a band that was like a mainstay. Uh, when, when I was coming up and like I mentioned quickly in the interview, you know, I had a band, the low end theory that managed to open up for them in Rockford, Illinois once. And it was like our first, like, let's drive somewhere. And it's actually like a real show and, you know, people want to buy your shit kind of stuff. And then we played with them once in Edison years later. And, you know, like this is a band that came up the proper way, you know, trio, um, you know, and, and, and the the history like Dan had even, you know, some of these guys had even before the band, you know, they had like a pretty, uh, pretty rich history around that area even before a Trio started. So the roots run deep, you know. It's oh, one yeah. of those bands that like, to me, you know, an old punk rock guy came from the right place, like never fucked up, has always been cool. Uh, has always written great records and I've never like put on an alkaline trio record and I'm like, Oh, what are these guys doing? You know, <laughs> it's always, it's always on brand. It always sounds great. Um, I think Matt and Dan uniquely both have certain kinds of voices that can only be in this band and the back and forth is something that's very unique to this band. Yeah. I also notice rhythmically there's like, there's a trio thing where they, you know, um, the verses are broken in half, and there's a lot of songs where, like, uh, rhythmically, like the first half of the verse pushes, and then the second half of the v- the verse uh, gets a little frantic, and that is so cool. Like, I'm listening to these new songs, and I'm like, man, this is a trick from like all the way back, and goddamn it, like, like this mm. is this is trio. Like, like there's just these little musical things that make them them, and like if someone tries to touch it, you know, they're just gonna sound like them you know (laughs) um which is awesome and i think they've cornered it it was great to catch up with dan and find out like i don't know you know how the last 10 years have been for him and uh you know getting trio like back going full time again new drummer the state of the chicago bulls (laughs) if you listen to the end of the episode i get dan to tell me is all time chicago bulls starting five i was i was happy with the answers and uh yeah it was a great chat wasn't it it is it's a good it's a good chat That's i think we should one. jump right into it let's play the train it's going off track! you know the last time you were on going off track was October of 2015. Is that right? Yeah, mm. we're almost a, a decade old since the last interview on here. We were young. I don't I don't even <laughs> think I interviewed you. I think this was before me even doing that. Right, Brad? It probably was. I didn't I didn't check the to see who all was on there, but
2: yeah, so I looked back.
0: You've outlasted me on
2: going off track. <laughs> oh my goodness. Brad, you were there. I was there. Brad's me, the mainstay.
1: Jonah and Steven.
2: Yeah. Was I in person? Yeah. Probably, right? Yeah.
1: Everything was in person then out in Brooklyn.
0: That's right. Did You, you might have gotten a free pair of Converse. Might have. There's a chance. Yeah, we
2: were over there. I was. That's funny. I was going to say something about another competing shoe company that I <laughs> thought we were close to, but <laughs> um, no, I think I did. get. Maybe I did. Good. Yeah. I know I've gotten did. some since like a month ago and they're dope. Nice. Um regardless, we're not here to talk about Converse. Well, firstly
0: and most importantly, Dan, something I wanted to get into right off the bat.
2: Go ahead. You now
0: wear a moustache. Oh. What 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 brought you to this? Detail detail your moustache journey for me, please. That's not a that's not a decision taken lightly. Do I have to? Um (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. How did you decide to rebrand your face?
2: i don't i don't really look at it like that okay to be honest a rebranding at 46 i mean (laughs) why bother something um (laughs) i don't know it's kind of a drag to talk about do you want me to get into it it's a tribute oh
0: Um, oh i'm sorry no so no no, i don't
2: i don't think i've ever really even discussed this like okay uh no but it's cool like um so like a year ago, a little over a year ago, uh, my, my old man got a cancer diagnosis, and he's one of my most f- favorite mustaches of all time. Ooh. Like even now, in his older, older age, he just sort of has this general scruff, yes. and it's not really as much of a mustache. But when okay. I picture him, he's mustached in grand fashion.
0: <laughs> An all-time um, mustache.
2: And as well as okay, so he got a cancer diagnosis and he went through some gnarly lung thing. Um, the end of last year. I'm oh, sorry to hear that. And uh, yeah, thanks. And um, you know, fortunately, he was able to kind of you know get squeaked by with a few complications, and now he seems to be doing all right. Awesome. And um, he's still relatively young as far as dads go of me and my my friends. Um, Right. Right. And then like, uh, so right around that time, I just kind of let it, I let it fly. And I started trying to figure out how does this mustache thing work? Is it the uh,
0: first time you've attempted
2: to put it It on? It certainly was. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But this was all sort of in quiet tribute. And like I said, I never even really talked about this, but, and then, so he gets his deal um, and he's sort of in the middle of, this is all, this all happens relatively quickly at this point. Um, sure. and, um, he gets his, he goes through some procedures and then, um, sorry, I keep turning away from this microphone. I thought it was going to be all fancy and, uh, <laughs> <clears throat> I got to stay on this shit. Um, so he goes through a couple of procedures and seems to be okay. At the same time, his slightly younger brother gets the exact same diagnosis. What? Okay. So Gary, uncle Gary what a guy like a hero. He, uh, was an early guitar man in my life. You know, he had these cool guitar that, um, you know, he let me fiddle around with at a super young age. He was in a band. He was a beautiful singer. Um, so he got the same diagnosis and, uh, unfortunately passed away. Um, it just got out of control for him too quickly. And, uh, but another beautiful mustache. And so I don't know when this thing's going to go away. Um, uh, But for now, you know, I'm, I sort of wear it for them. It's pretty, uh, it's interesting to me. That's like a beautiful mustache.
0: Like I I was, you know, expecting an answer of vanity. You know, like like Benny, I needed a change. You know, getting old, this and that, gray beard or something. I thought I was going to hear.
2: Yeah, it's the only part that it's not gray and still has <laughs> hair. Because
0: um, it's thick, it's thick. You can tell you come from a mustache lineage.
2: Well, I'm working. I'm working on it. You got to figure it out. You know, sometimes there's a bit of, uh, you know, it's. It's no Uncle Gary. I'll say that. <laughs> but we're doing all right. Um, I'm trying to do my own thing here. I love it. Well, it's perfect uh, too, with the shaved head because
0: I recently started, as you know, fellow mustache wearer. and yes, um, you know, I recently started straight shaving uh, because I feel like it it just makes it makes it look like you're wearing the mustache. The mustache isn't wearing you, you know, like like you actually meant to do it. You know, when sometimes you have a couple days scruff, it looks like uh, it's just a guy who doesn't shave a lot, not someone who wears a mustache.
2: I haven't gone there yet.
0: Yeah. But like what with your head, that beautiful head of yours, the mustache just poofs and it's like a beautiful statement. It's like, (laughs) uh, it's like someone like, like when I get tan in the summer and I wear a white shirt, it's like just a beautiful, uh, you know, pop, (laughs) pop of the face.
2: Okay, I'm glad it's taken notice. Um, it has, it has for sure. Yeah, you're doing good. But, uh,
0: well, I'm I'm sorry to hear about all that, man. That's oh, you know, it is hard. This
2: is how this is how things go, and it's been um, you know, it's just it's all over the place. We know this. Um, so yeah, like that's all. That's well, all that was about.
0: Thanks for sharing that with me. And I now that I have made it,
2: three music videos and uh, a big, you know, big photo shoot with this mustache. Will uh will live it will live on forever. I think you're in.
0: I mean, it's almost like you know, like when you quit like smoking or drinking and you get like two, three months in, it's like, all right, like I did like that real hard part, the nitty gritty. Like just going public with that on your face is like that's the hard part. (laughs) You 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 got the hard part done.
2: Damn it! You know. Oh my god! Now
0: it's like smooth sailing for you. Like, like I I wouldn't go back now.
2: You know? No, I, I don't know that I am. Yeah. You make it sound like I did something very, very risky. Almost. You did. (laughs) It's it's bold.
0: I gotta. You know, I. You know, for sure, right? Like, like I'm the same as you. I have kids, and I know for a fact that if I like cut my hair, cut my mustache. And bought like one fucking vineyard vine shirt. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like I could just be one of them a lot easier, you know, <laughs> but, disappear. but like, yeah, I'll disappear. Exactly. But I wear these statements, you know, and like I look around sometimes and I'm like, yeah, there's hundreds of people here. I don't see anyone boldly proclaiming a mustache and wearing black jeans. So I still whatever, I guess. So it is a statement. It's
2: like, it, I think it's someone daring. I guess it is. I haven't really ever been one for too much affect, I feel. At least, I personally, I feel this. like Yeah, low-key kind of character. I say that. I know I'm in a band that, you know, we've tried to look like vampires and shit in the past. Yes. But I think in the general, you know me as, like, a dude. Yeah. And I think in general, like, when you see me, it's like, oh, there's just, there's Dan. he's, like, fairly, un uh, he's not jumping out at you.
0: Well, wow. I, th- I think that's why I was a little drawn to you too on tour because I'm like, all right, there's someone else like, <laughs> kind of like me. You know, what chill, I mean?
2: normal dude might want yeah, to walk down to the sports bar. Just and see some what's kind of doing. normal dude
0: shit going on, and not like, you know, like I would walk into a trio backstage and see like. uh you know, absence being created on a scale <laughs> or something like that, like, where I, you know, and then, you know. Yeah,
2: this crystal fountain. Yeah, and Matt's case. hanging out with mm. some
0: funky people, and I'm like, if I hang out with the trio for the next hour, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen back there. Am I
2: getting hypnotized? What's happening? So th- something interesting.
0: So, yeah. So, the idea of, like, having one conversation about, uh, you know, Joaquin Noah and, and offensive rebounding or something, it's, you know, it's relieving <laughs> for a guy like me.
2: <laughs> oh, he's a beast. You oh. know, I almost put on a Joaquin Noah T-shirt for this when I thought it was going to be on video. I was torn. That's why I was late. I couldn't and decide. I just heard in doing research for this podcast that that,
0: Joachim Noah t-shirt was a uh, gift from Brendan Kelly?
2: My Joakim Noah t-shirt. Did I talk about that as a gift? It was a beautiful gift from I Brendan.
0: heard you on a podcast with Brendan Kelly talking about mm, some European yes. adventure where he presented yes. you with a Joachim Noah t-shirt.
2: It was such a nice what gift. A and the timing could not have been better. We were overseas together doing like an acoustic tour oh, okay. uh, on the train. Oh. and it was <laughs> that's a thing <laughs> it was so fun yeah. um but i was like i th- i was turning either 35 or 36 we had been out only for a handful of days at this point and we were still in england um okay. and so basically um the first few days were like the shows were cool our accommodations were a little bit rocky. We right. were like trying to like stay with people, or what you know, countries
0: we talk in here.
2: We were in England at this point. Okay. The entire the like, the whole first like week and a half.
0: Yeah, England's so, almost as bad of, as America with uh. Well,
2: somewhere yeah, to stay I mean, or something to eat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we did this gig in Brighton. Yeah, or Bristol. One of the no, I always get Brighton. those mixed
0: up too.
2: I do too, even though one of them is a I lot cooler. They're than very the other.
0: unique from each other. Uh,
2: yeah. Like one is Banksy, but, one's the beach, but I always fucking mix it up. Yeah, and yeah, it was <laughs> Brighton, I think. Okay, and um, it was a great show in which we got severely uh, underpaid mm. um, to no one's fault other than our. Agent at the time, the guy who booked the tour, basically got us the crappiest deal in all of England. (laughs) And so we played a sold-out show in this pub. Like we're not talking about a shitload of people, but like 150 people or whatever it was. They were all there. And they all bought tickets like after me and Brendan tweeted it. You know what I mean? Right, right. Like, thanks to the promoter, but he took almost all the dough. So it's the story for another day. So we this is the day before my birthday. And then he's like, Well, you know, and this is the deal. So, what am I going to do? Stand there and be a dick? I, you know. So we, he's like, you can stay with my friends, <laughs> and we were like, okay, cool, thanks. He's like, they've got all kinds of like bedding and place for you to sleep. Okay. Dude, so we get over there, and it's like, you know, a shared townhouse, uh, um, like three or four young college age fellas, uh, oh. and um,
0: staying with college kids, the worst. They're
2: drunk. <laughs> They're, they I mean, they're not like partying, but they're hanging out playing Tony Hawk, and they're passing around this bottle. We're that passing certainly. around a bottle, and they take us to the. It's me, Brendan, and Sam Russo, um, okay. our yeah. friend from England, mm-hmm. who's the best. And so they take us to this room, and they're like, "Oh, and this is the room where you guys can sleep." And it's just a room. Literally, it's just a room with nothing on the floor. And just a light bulb on a string. And Brendan can attest to this. Like
0: a fucking movie. Oh my
2: god. Yeah, it's like a little bit like, oh dude, this is where you're gonna kill us. What yeah, the fuck? Almost waiting for like the punchline, like, like oh, know. and the bedding's in here. He's like, This is all our bedding that we use for like festivals and shit. Oh
0: god.
2: And I was like, What? <laughs> your your sleeping bag, you take the reeds or leads and <laughs> reading and try to get laid in? I don't oh, want that. Oh god, yeah, no thanks. Like, yeah. And so it's like you know that was the night, and you know it's like midnight. All of a sudden, I'm like, "Well, happy birthday, asshole!" Yeah, you
0: start. Uh, <laughs> that's that's that's, sucks. The, that's the perfect setup to just like uh, stare into the middle distance and really question things.
2: Yeah, yeah. I was just like, <laughs> "What am I doing here?" Yeah, yeah, and exactly. um, so the next day, we went and got some food. Me and just me and Brendan, and uh, he presented me with this beautiful Joaquim Noah T-shirt that he had made at Strange Cargo in Chicago, and um it was a custom custom job custom Ooh. decal beautiful Ooh. top and uh so we had breakfast and we vowed to um not put ourselves in that situation for the rest of the trip like we were <laughs> like fuck it what are we what are we trying to do here what are we trying to prove yeah <laughs> you know what i mean like oh uh, i mean
0: like 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 between the two of you, you'll shell out for a cheap room instead of, like, going yeah. to that dude's house. Yeah. Or
2: not even. Yeah, you're I an alkaline trio, dude. Like, yeah. you. Can- I mean, yeah, I was trying, we were trying to do something <laughs> yeah. and it was like, th- that wasn't the whole point of what we were trying to do. So fuck that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you doing know. that was a lot more, I think everybody learns the hard way once that, yeah. that shit is awesome and romantic. Yeah. At a certain time of your life. Right. You know, and then at a certain point, it just gets a lot harder to do that happily. You know, right. Yeah.
2: It's like, I guess my thought process is like, I'm not touring with Alkaline Trio. This is me. Right. And I can't, when I do that, I have to remember not to expect Alkaline Trio crowds, Mm -hmm. Alkaline Trio uh, accommodations, you know, any of the shit that goes along with touring with the band. Is I can't just expect it. Of and, course. Um, yeah.
0: And you're a humble guy like, and you're not wanting to ask for it, I'm sure.
2: Yeah. And so, like, th- if I'm doing this and it's new and it's different, it's like I'll do it like I used to do something when it was new and different. And that's how we used to do it, you know? And that's how I made friends and yeah. made uh-huh. connections. And, but when you're 35, going on whatever the fuck, and you got a kid at home and, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, you actually are in another band. It's like, yeah, it gets harder to be like, all right, I don't need to do this. Yeah. Yeah. I, it gets easier
0: to be like, I don't need to do this. That's right. <laughs> I, yeah, I completely empathize with that because yeah, I go back to like my journals from like my late teens and early twenties touring and going to Europe and like, and I'm like, Oh my, I remember this night where I was like staying at the venue, like on the, you know, a mattress on the floor. But I stayed up till five in the morning with this group of like six people who were teaching me funny words and feeding (laughs) me weird German food and fucking giving me weird German booze. And I was so like immersed in the experience that That I, I could give a fuck about, you know, like the other context of it, like how much I got paid that night or something. And, you know, and then I basically did the same exact tour 20 years later. And, you know, and I'm a drummer. I can't ask for anything.
2: Right. I mean, don't, I, I wouldn't say, right. Like you can't ask for anything. You're a drummer. I guess I'm I'm not really agreeing with you, but <laughs> I, I hear what you're saying. Like sometimes you, you feel like you get a little bit of a short shrift, no, just saying, whether like, you should or you know, not. Yeah.
0: Or at least I feel that I can't ask for as much. You know, I don't know what the reality is. Shut up, Benny. Yeah, get, get back behind there. Shut the fuck up. Um, Sound check. Yeah. Kick so I, drum. But yeah, I get it. I get it. That shit gets harder. I mean, you have a lot of years under your belt now traveling as a musician. And, you know, your, your daughter is almost an adult. Yes. Like,
2: it's wild. Yeah. yeah. She's 16 and a half. She so, started driving this year. Oh,
0: so it's crazy. So, I mean, you've been navigating that kind of back and forth for a a long time. Are there any like tips or rules that have worked for you over the years? Like, or things that haven't worked by anecdotal experience of like, I guess navigating the two worlds and kind of jumping from like musician guy to like home guy. If there's like any tricks to.
2: I don't know. It's so hard. Everyone's situation is so different, right? Yeah. Um, Like, i uh i have i'm you know i'm married and my wife is awesome great mom great wife and it makes it easier uh in a, in most regards it makes it a lot easier for me to go certain things are harder like if there's um you know i've had to learn to try to just if i'm away you know as much as i want to be there a hundred percent of the time i have to understand that i'm not there right. and if they're the two of them are going through something and i'm you know three hours behind and about to go on stage or whatever the fuck it is you know i can't always i can't always interject the way i would if i was here sure and you'll, I have you'll to miss be, the
0: minutiae right
2: yeah and i have to be okay with that sometimes like yeah. sunshine is uh, you know a few times it's come out like you know you're you're not here like just let me let me handle it Mm -hmm. like i got it and i want to be that i want to be like it's not because i don't think she's doing it right it's because like part of me is is feeling maybe a little insecure about as being a parent you know what i mean like well shit my my job is taking me away from the most important thing which is which is dad yeah but really it's like that's just that's insecurity and that's neurosis and things that, you know, I talked, I'll talk to someone else about, um, <laughs> to deal with, but, um, she's, you know, it's all, it's mostly like self-induced and yeah, she's, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate in the fact that, uh, you know, we're still together and she's so great about, you know, being on top of things and, you know, making sure it, that, you know, she just stays on, the kid that is stays on the right track, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. I've heard tips in the past from people who said, like, I think this has changed in the technological age, you know, because when you used to leave, you know, calling home and being connected was so much more difficult, you know, now you can...
2: You know, it was almost impossible. Yeah, do you almost, remember calling cards? Oh my Europe God, do I remember calling like, cards? Jesus. Here's
0: 500 minutes that miraculously went away in
2: 90 seconds. <laughs> Wait a minute, what? <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> it was Crazy John? Why did I buy a Crazy John phone card? That doesn't sound right. You um, remember the uh, internet cafes
0: that you would have to feed like Euros into? Mm-hmm. Just like write emails and stuff? Yeah. So, but, yeah. It, and, you know, and now you can literally like. FaceTime with someone almost 24 hours a day, like in for most free. places of the world. Or whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah. The- even you just have to leave and do incredible things on your cell phone to even make a international call. <laughs> now it's... so, Fully. Like, that's where I, you know, I remember years ago someone saying that you shouldn't talk to, like, your partner more than once a day. Because if, like, you do that, then you run the risk of kind of spinning your wheels and kind of creating, you know creating drama that's not actually there or something. But I don't know if that that tip is apropos these days when you actually like have a chance to kind of interject and stay connected, you know, like. Um,
2: yeah, I don't know why, why I would limit myself to that. I mean, I'm married for over 21 years. Yeah. It's crazy. You know what I mean? Like we built a total and complete life together.
0: I think the person who said that's been divorced a couple of times. So,
2: (laughs) so I actually, I'm going to go with you uh, here. I'm going to go with you. Yeah. Everyone's situation is different, (laughs) but I'm just saying like, uh, I guess I'm not trying to say that like, because of this, I know better. I'm just saying like, we've, we've made this life together. I can't, you know, I can't imagine life without her. And, you know, um, so that, you know, if, if something's going on, we try to get a hold of that person or, um, but like, I, I could see that being more for like a dating situation or if like, you're trying to get to know someone or right, right. like, but I can't even really remember like what what that was like, you know what I mean? It's yeah. just so, it's like so different. If like, okay, I'm on tour, I need to set some boundaries. This, yeah. this person's stalking me or whatever. Like, I don't know what that's all about. Sure. Sure. But go, go you know, you do you. I um, well like I said. It feels good. Listen, I
0: I I like listening to experts, okay? So, if if I have one person on one side who's been divorced 3 times and one person who's been married for 21 years, seemingly mostly happy, yeah, I'm not saying it's perfect science, but you know, I'll go there with the go. one. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Makes sense to me. I'm here. (laughs) Anytime. Good. Um, I want to talk about, like, you know, I've been listening. I've always, you know, I always listen to Alkaline Trio just because I'm a fan. But, you know, listening to the new record or the three new songs, I haven't heard the whole new record. Someone should send it to me. But um, Damn,
2: dude, I'll send it to you.
0: Yeah, I told you. It's the drummer shit, you know? Um, Yeah. But uh, the one thing I noticed, like, right off the bat that, like, stood out, is like dance songs and I'm listening to versions of you specifically. And over the years, I think you've really created a lot of like unique um, cadences and patterns, like, like um, with how you deliver the lyric. And I was wondering, like, I think it sets you apart and it has for a long time. And I was wondering if, if for you, that's like a cognitive thing. Like if there's a functional effort when writing to, to do something like that, or is it just the way you hear it?
2: That's, that's really cool. First of all. So thanks. I mean, I guess I try to just, I like delivery. I like words. I like, um, linguistics. You know what I mean? Like if I hear someone speaking and it sounds interesting to me, I gravitate towards that. You know what I mean? Like Howard Stern has a really interesting, lexicon that's right he just yeah. chooses funny words at certain <laughs> yeah. moments that are like simple they're not like big sure um crazy words he just has a interesting delivery that's like uh, from a different world than i come from that's right and um and i i love that uh, but just as an example um but so i think like musically i i like things like that like when lyrics bend around us uh, you know, a, a phrase or a musical phrase and continue sure. on and things you know, things that Matt has always done, you know, Matt's a big influence on me um, but I guess, like with that song in particular, it's pretty wild because it's a bit of a, I don't want to say a thorn in my side currently but <laughs> uh, it's proven to be a tricky number. Oh, what's like, singing that and playing at the same time? Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I could imagine. <laughs> well, the funny thing about that song is I wrote that. I wrote that song on guitar like we wrote that as a song in the studio okay but i wrote that riff um as a guitar part you know when i was playing it and then um matt started playing bass and matt ended up writing the verse like the bass part for the verse and oh, that's cool. what's on the record yeah, yeah um and so i didn't know skiba
0: picked up the bass and did that that's cool
2: he does yeah um yeah and he's got an interesting like take on bass like he you know we were we were obviously i was like feeling you know whatever in that big room at studio 606 i was feeling this big kind of like steve albini drum like heavy you know but grindy guitar tone like uh-huh. um just feeling kind of like albini ish and so matt <laughs> started playing that bass line this sort of just disjointed thing yeah right and um so we were like working you know, Cameron, our producer, he was very into keeping that and keeping that um, momentum, but also just that en- that energy and everything. Like that's how we were going to capture it when we pressed record. So, um, so we moved forward with the song like that, and the way we, the way almost the entire album got, uh, got finished. Um, the song got written with a little bit of melody in mind, but mostly just for the chorus, I had, I had some lyrics and I had a concept, but I didn't have anything written for the verse. Uh, okay. Uh, so in the past I would have gone and I would have taken that part and I would have tried to write some lyrics and then, you know, it all would have gotten finished there. But right. The right. way, you know, we, we made a lot of music together. Um, in that session we wrote, and tracked a lot of drums and bass in that session and so we we needed a break to rethink what we were going to do right um, just process lyrically, all like of it. we had a lot of lyrics and a lot of melody ideas we brought but once all was said and done exactly we had to process and step back like for a minute i was not even sure like we had a record. I was like, I know we got a bunch of good songs, <laughs> yeah, but do yeah. we do we even make a record? Uh, and then, it's terrifying. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah. And like Matt, I went home, and Matt started doing guitar, just him and Cameron at a little overdub studio, and that was awesome because I was nervous about that at first. Is uh, that out in Chicago? No, that was in that was in the hills. Oh, we were okay, tracking okay. at six oh six in the valley. Oh yeah, yeah which yeah. is Dave Grohl's place. Wow, um, cool. Which is really. Uh, really, just a, a an amazing place. You got to see it. He owns drummer. that studio. It's like Foo Fighters HQ. Oh no shit! So, can anyone get in there, or you like need? I'm pretty sure anyone can get in there. I mean, it's a it's a public studio. You got to call the manager and he book time. And but this is like the place where he. I don't know if you saw that. Um like a handful or whatever a dozen years ago, he bought that Neve console from sound city. Yes. They ended up making yep. a documentary right, about yep. it. Mm-hmm. So they got that console there. He designed this drum room after the live room at Capitol. Oh, um, Holy shit. It's fucking, it's insane dude. Sitting on the console is this little like four by six, like photo um, developed at like Walgreens or whatever the fuck <laughs> that Dave girl took of his drum set. On the first day of tracking, never mind. No, so it's like this full circle awesomeness. That's so you just cool. see this photo yeah. of the drums before any of that shit went down. Like, and now it's sitting on the console that tracked.
0: Yeah, is that, that like record. is that like enriching for you or daunting?
2: Oh, it's just for me. It's one hundred percent inspirational. Yeah, yeah. It's just like you know, let's go. Yeah, this, is, this shit is so How cool. How fucking like, cool, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the board—it's like it's a magical board. It's Fleetwood Mac, yeah, it's Van Halen, it's got the it's shit in there, Nirvana. It's insane. Where did that board specifically come from? Which studio? It was at Sound City, I think. Is what that it was, was called the when Sound it was City like, one. yeah, yeah. it's
0: yeah. oh, so cool. Yeah, and you know, there's magic in that board. Like,
2: yeah, it's just—it's got a thing. Yeah, Cameron was like, it's got a couple weird little idiosyncrasies and you know up here and you got to know how to navigate around this thing and but it whatever it does it just does it right does it have a name <laughs> I didn't ask that. Like, if he calls it like it should, right? I mean, like Millie or something. I don't know.
0: <laughs> if you spend enough time with a machine, where it start, you you really start to understand and love its idiosyncrasies. It's got to have a name by now.
2: Yeah, I would. I would kind of be inclined to agree with you, yeah. but I don't. I didn't ask that.
0: <laughs> you got to ask that for me.
2: <laughs> Dude, it was a cool experience. So, so we were there for like just over two weeks, and that's where we did all the drums and bass in that two weeks and most of the writing like Matt and I got together at a rehearsal space for 3 days before going in there just to like go over shit and we wrote a couple skeletons of ideas there sure. that we brought with us and then I maybe had like an idea I had an idea that was like fully demoed that became a song in there called Broken Down in a Time Machine okay um but you know most Almost everything other than that was was all crafted in those two weeks. It That's was crazy, crazy. so yeah. the long way around that answer to that question was i I don't think that song would have turned out the same if I had just gone to write it um you know been like I gotta go over here and finish this song right. and sit down with a guitar and do it because i would have I would have made i think uh subconsciously or whatever I would have made the lyric pattern um, more simple, I okay. guess, or more comfortable, sure. easier to deliver because now when I try and play bass, the part that I didn't write, oh. the timing that Matt wrote. <laughs> right. And when I try to sing this sort of this, like you were saying, interest uh, to me, it's an interesting rhythm. It's no, a little it different. Is, yeah. Um, it's not easy. No. And it's, <laughs> last week we were rehearsing, um, I went out to California for a couple of days and we worked on some of the new songs and made a new video. And, uh, I was like, Oh man, this is, (laughs) this is a lot. It's going to be a tough one. (laughs) It was coming together. Like it's going to be rad. Um, but it was, it's tricky. That's good. That's good. After all these years. Yeah. You wrote something
0: that makes you keep you on your toes. It's good. I'm going to challenge myself. Yeah. I love that. I I heard you say that you used to be like super resistant to writing in the studio and now you're kind of into it. Is that an example of of why is like the kind of like the shape something can go when you have people in front of you and you're kind of opened up like that?
2: I just, I think there's more magic in the energy that gets created when we're together. And that's, I don't know how, I, you know, I don't know how I was able to like almost forget that because it seems so simple and it <laughs> right. seems so like, yeah, duh. of course you write together, you're a band, but like we would between like Derek being such a integral part of like the production, like right. we got into this mode where at least me and Derek would in retrospect, when I look back, it seems like Matt really wouldn't demo as much because he never really liked the process mm-hmm. and he liked to be in the studio once we were all there mm-hmm. um but you know i would get into this mode like once matt moved away to california right and then a few years later i moved to florida like we were all over the country um so i like production and i like you know recording and i like things so if i wrote a song and i put down this demo it's like okay i've got a guitar part and i've got a Click track, or I've got you know I know like a rhythm in my head. It's like, well, now I'm gonna fuck around with this MIDI program and make right. a drum beat. Sure. You know what yeah. I mean? And I'm gonna put a bass line, and then I send it to Derek, and he's got all all of a sudden Derek's like arranging strings and yeah, yeah, keys uh-huh. and like, uh-huh. and we've got a you know it's kind of a rad demo. But instead of a demo, it's become like. This is the song.
0: Right. Yeah. You trap yourself in all these ideas. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And you
2: fall in love with eighty percent of if not all of these ideas and before you know, and it's like
0: this song can now no longer exist without a string section.
2: Right. And then <laughs> that leads to like, you know, weird things yeah. in the studio. Uh-huh. It's like when you come to putting it down, and it's like, well, now why do we need this again? Like right. do we really it's like and I'm I'm just at a way different place uh in terms of songwriting and in terms of what i what i would love to to have on record nowadays yeah um that it's the you know when we're together and we start coming up with ideas they're always they're always better ideas when we're together and you know the less precious i get about songs that i've come up with the better they the better they get and it's always the case yeah i mean Um, what's
0: the like you know after all these years having two, you know, functional songwriters in a band, like how has that settled in over the years? Like I can imagine at some point there's like a, you know, I don't know, like has there always been a super open creative process with both your songs coming in and out? Or has that been like just a process over time to get comfortable with?
2: No, it's always been a really open process. That's cool. But I think it's just been – it hasn't been as collaborative as it, as it should have been until the last, you know, the last few records, like it was initially. And then we sort of got away from that Yeah. and Matt's, you know, Matt would write songs and I would write songs and, um, the album seemed to work. And I think people enjoy that, but, um, it's again, it's like better when, when we collaborate, like there's a lot of, a lot of things on the new album that, um, are just they wouldn't be the same if we weren't doing it all together like there's parts that choruses that matt sings on on the record but you know it's a might be a part that i wrote um and and even initially sang and then we got home for or left the studio for a couple days and we're like this doesn't sound right like we have a song that we've there's a song in there called bad time that um yeah we uh uh kind of pulled that switch a r switch on initially. Um there was chorus and we were we were sort of floundering with the chorus and then um I ended up writing what became the chorus and Cameron was like, that's I like that. You know, Matt agreed. I went in there and sang it and Cameron was like this is a nice opportunity for you guys to go back and forth and we should explore that or whatever. So I sang this whole chorus and then matt comes in for the back half and that's how it was on record for maybe like a week and just listening to it i was i sort of suggested not sort of i suggested that it sounded strange that okay that's a very much like a matt singing oh, to right. one person in particular mm. like an ab conversation right and i come in you know, all of a sudden it's, it was felt like a third to, wheel. <laughs> yeah. It was very, <laughs> to me, it seemed very obviously strange. Right. And, uh, when I put it to Cameron like that, he was like, he was like, yeah, I'll have Matt sing it. Um, and we'll see what it sounds like. And Matt sang it, it sounded like a hit. I mean, it's, it's how it was supposed to be. You know, right. and there's a few, there's moments on there. Um, shake with me is another one where, I mean, you, we wrote that song together. Like almost all of them we wrote together and it was all about just making sure the album was right there was no that there was really like no mine or no yours and the communication was good yeah i mean that song teenage heart oh i gotta send you the record there's a song in the end of the record man i should have sent it to you before this i feel bad um
0: this this is the problem i have not having like a PR guy, and it's just me texting
2: you. You You need a Baba Booey. I know. Um, (laughs) Brad, where do we get one? (laughs) You know Uh, anyone? (laughs) Baba Booey. Um, You know, there's another one that um, it's just I had ended up singing a chorus for, you know, I had these lyrics written and a chorus sang and it made the song, it's like a completely different song. And then um, you know, Matt, we ended up changing it. Like Matt Matt took it, redid it, rethought it, and made it way better and I love that' this, yeah. there's no it is what it is, yeah, you know it I seems mean? so
0: like, it's how it's gotta be it seems so so communicative and respectful. it's like I'm always happy when I hear that like bands I like and people I like are able to deal with each other on like an adult and respectful level and actually create like it's it's nice it's nice to hear. It's,
2: And it's hard sometimes. Um, Of course. You know? Yeah. I I wrote an entire song and Matt, uh, and recorded it and it was, (laughs) it was like done. And we were home for a couple weeks and, um, I mean, the record wasn't done, but I did a lot of back and forth, um, for this session, but you know, the, the vocals were done and, you know, Matt had, Matt called me and very honestly was like, I don't love it. I think you can do better. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it was hard to hear. Sure. Sure. But it was also just, I'm 46. Like, this is something we talked about when we, before we decided to make this record. Okay. Was um, we didn't do any discussing of like what, like what we wanted to sound like. Like, we're not going to sound like this or make a record that sounds like God damn it or whatever. Right. All we said was, This is our 10th record. So if we're going to do this, let's do what the fuck we want to do. Yeah. First. Sure. Um, And then when it came to production, like we had ideas, like we're like, we're not going to overkill guitars. We're not going to record rhythm guitars just to do it. You know what I mean? Like if something gets doubled, it's, you know, it's because it's right for the part. Like we're doing things you know the way that we've talked about Matt and I have talked about doing in the last few records and then as the session goes on the engineer and the producer kind of take over and just we end up with a lot of rhythm guitars somehow um and it's you know it's always been good and cool for the song but not necessarily what we had intended going in yeah yeah you know
0: how was it like you know from an outsider perspective like i don't know how the the thing with blank like came up and at what point in the band and stuff like that. But in the same way, were those conversations all just very transparent and then, and the whole time you, you all had a like an understanding and agreement about what was going on, or it was just like more in the air than that?
2: Um, it was more in the air, but not really because of Matt and myself. I mean, I don't think we were communicating as much, but not, not because of Blink, just because of the situation. That you know what I mean. When someone,
0: yeah,
2: someone goes to do something else, it's like, you know, I've got a family. I'm doing other things. You know, I'll go do this tour her. You know, when Matt told me he was uh that he had gotten a call from Mark about joining Blink, I was in the studio making uh, a record called Party Adjacent for a side project. Like, right, right. I was, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like there was. There was other shit going on. Sure, um, sure, So as far as like transparency, like Matt and I, you know, obviously, like we never, we never said we were putting our band on hold. Like he was like fully, you know, open, and you know, we never, uh, we never intentionally put anything trio on the back burner. Right. But it's just. It was naturally going to happen. Right. He's you in know, a pretty it big is fucking what it band. is. Like, yeah. they're, they're a giant band. Yeah. They made two albums. Uh, you know, they're going to go on tour in support of those albums. And I know what that entails. Yeah. So um, I was, you know, I was never anything but s- stoked for Matt getting that opportunity. You know, I will say the only, the communication lacked in the sense that it's just you're adding a whole third entity that's essentially. In itself, three entities into this situation.
0: Right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's a lot and of so big like, variables coming into play. Yeah, it's there. like yeah. The, this
2: is this whole other band is now a factor in my life, right? That, that wasn't before. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. within their own camp, their communication, it just because of how big they are, it's just it things get convoluted. Yeah. This person has to talk to this person. So for me, I'm low man on the totem pole when it comes to getting information about their schedule, and
0: I can assume Matt's low man on the totem pole for getting information even from them. Yeah, even from them. Exactly, and he's in
2: the fucking band. That you're exactly right. So, um, like that was a bit. That was like that was what I dealt with. Yeah, (laughs) you know what I mean. Like that was the struggle. But it's so. that's it though. Like there's no big drama. There was no, like, what the fuck are we still a band that never really came up? Not with me and Matt. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. It was always clear. Like trios not stopping this, like, but I
2: mean, yeah, that's, that's it. That was the shakedown. You know what I mean? Like I think Derek was a little more bummed and trying to, you know, and trying to find things to do and trying to find ways to stay busy. I get that, but it is what it is, you know?
0: As far as the drummer thing went, like uh, timeline wise, I know like some of these, did some of these songs exist like pre-COVID? Was this like part of that same batch of songs? No. No. Okay. So Not oh, really. So like where did, um, in like making this record to putting it out, like when and where did like Derek Stop and Adam begin as far as that happened?
2: Derek stopped after he was done playing the drums.
0: <laughs> so he is he's not on the new record, right? No, he is. He is. He played every so, every so that's all Derek der- on the new record. The record that's was all done. Derek. And then the record
2: was done. Okay. We were wow. well the record was not done. We were getting ready. We were like in the early stages of the mix. And Derek um you know, we were sending mixes and we were, you know. We got the record done. The drums sound fucking amazing. Yeah, Um, great. And uh, I mean, it wasn't that out of nowhere. I think if you've been following the band, for people out there, they'd know. um, You'd know that we've, you know, we did a tour after our last album came out uh, with a different drummer with Jared Alexander. Um, And that was that was done with like Derek. He had made the record with us, and then that was that was hard. He was going through a lot of shit, yeah. uh, a lot of personal things. And there was a lot going on and it wasn't very communicative and it wasn't very healthy uh, for any of us. Okay. And we, we did a tour without Derek, but Derek was still a hundred percent in the band. Right. Right, um, right. So we were just like, let's take a break. We got to go do this tour. He was like, yep, you got to go do the tour. I need a break. We all sort of agreed. It wasn't awesome, but, it was what had to happen. Okay. Um, and, uh, so then throughout the course of COVID and sort of getting this forced break, um, yeah, like before that, we, there was, you know, he was maybe going to, we were going to go on tour with bad religion, um, which we ended up doing finally, but we had a tour booked with bad religion and the plan was to bring Derek back for that, um, And, uh, then COVID happened. The tour got canceled. Mm. Um, and then, you know, there was still maybe some questions about whether or not he was going to come back. Uh, we worked a lot to get him back in the band. I went up there, we made music together. Um, he and I just for a little bit hung out, uh, you know, and then it was like, yeah, dude's back in the band and everything was kind of cool. Um, I still, you know, just people are different as we get older and I think um just so there's certain things, certain demands of touring that not everyone wants to deal with. Yeah. Um and so I think when when recording was over and you know, you can sort of see what's coming on the horizon, which is more touring, and you hear the you know, us talking with our management about we want to do this and we're gonna do that. Um I think he, that's, he was like, yeah, I don't want to do any of this.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's gotta be hard. I mean, I, every time <clears throat> I get a tour scheduled, like my first reaction is anxiety, you know, like I, I, like I get it, you know, yeah. um, I, I get it's it. It's a lot. It's hard. Man. Um,
2: we're, we're really fortunate to be able to do what we do oh, and yeah. to get to go to these tours. And, but regardless it's a lot and it and depending on everyone's situation at home what they got going on and you know it's just um you know so we made the record everything sounded killer and then I but I think uh you know yeah I mean he could tell you better than I could I don't necessarily want to put words in his mouth but I you know basically that's the the short and long of it.
0: So I mean because of all that like where was it like it wasn't as left field for you guys. You're like, like half saw it coming in that kind of way. Yeah.
2: I I mean, the session was cool. The drums sound amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I could tell there was something, it wasn't all
0: still something there. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Like, uh, um, yeah, I guess that's it. You know what I mean? It was, it wasn't a huge shock for sure.
0: Well, you got yourself a firecracker of a person um Adam's been yeah. great. How's I'm sure that that uh that um sparked like a different kind of vibe and energy like right off the bat. How's it how's it been?
2: It's been amazing. You you toured a bunch with yeah, Adam. I've yeah. heard a story uh-huh. about Adam um I know about Adam having to fill in for you uh, for an unfortunate yeah, one night, uh, one night. occasion, yeah. And the repercussions that he dealt with. Um <laughs> but that's a different story. So I uh I love that guy. The energy is is insane, but you've been around it, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's it must be fire. That's awesome.
2: He's um the dude like always wants to be drumming and I like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Classic drummer's drummer. Like like not gonna see like instead of uh stopping and, and making a solo record, would rather like take an old kit and redo the you know the beveling and shit like that like yeah yeah like classic drummer drummer yeah for sure yeah
2: it's wild he's like going to the venue like two hours before everybody else he's like i go to a set up my kit <laughs> right i'm like yeah. we have people to do that <laughs> um we have people for that adam yeah <laughs> what the fuck am i paying this guy for <laughs> i'm just kidding uh Listen, man. If you want to tech for yourself, that's fine. But let's work it out. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but he just loves those fucking drums. It's great. Yeah. He wants to take them down. He wants to set them up. He wants to shine them up. But most importantly, he loves to play them. Yeah. And he wants to. He wants to be able to play them for hours. Yeah. And uh, the older we get, I keep talking about. I should really stop aging myself as we discuss this. <laughs> it's hard I sound not like to old ass man. Um. But yeah, it's like it's hard. It's hard to you know you got to stay. Especially being a drummer, as you know, like it's fucking a lot of work back there. And so he's, he's busy doing all the right things um, in terms of staying in shape and recovering from a gnarly motorcycle accident, which I can't even imagine going through. It's like, it's nothing, it's, it's nothing but inspiration and uh, it's awesome. That's such a nice positive injection into the, into the group. That's great to hear. I love it. Hell yeah.
0: So I want to go back a little bit. Like you know, you came up in the VFW small town Elks Lodge scenes, um, as did I. We played a couple together. I don't know if you remember. Uh, true, huh? True, true, true. Edison, Edison uh, VFW, New Jersey. Fun night. Did, was it was at the firehouse. Yeah, Edison Firehouse, and then Edison Firehouse. We played once at the Rockford American Legion Hall in Illinois. Hell yeah. Um, That was my first, like, proper out-of-state trip to go open for, like, a big band. Uh, And you guys headlining the Rockford American Legion was, like, you know, that was my scope in those days. I was like, this is the biggest band I've ever seen.
2: Um, (laughs) Were the Smoking Popes at that show?
0: I don't think so. I don't think so. I probably would have... Yeah, I think I would have remembered that. All right, all right. But... So the reason I bring that up is like, you know, things have changed a lot since then. I'm, I know you just said we shouldn't age each other, but this is the reason like people in their 70s just talk about, uh, you know, hip replacements and eating cantaloupe and stuff. I see how it happens now.
2: It's what we know. <laughs> it's what we know.
0: That's right. So but I was going to wonder, like, what do you think is one thing people coming up now in in this kind of age, you know, someone... 16, 18, and starting bands just like we did, or you know, even younger. Like, um, what's something they're missing uh as a result of like the new way people do things? And and what's something like you wish you had access to back then that, that kids have access to now?
2: I'm so scared of what kids have access to now. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even kidding. It's like I'm I feel really glad we came up when we did really yeah i mean it's just i don't know what they're missing like i I don't know because yeah you sound i'll sound like i you know some sort of know-it-all i suppose (laughs) but it seems uh but i'll say it anyway (laughs) (laughs) um i mean i guess it feels like there's a little bit of a communication gap happening like you know if people are you know you you can get really famous without ever leaving your house.
1: Right. Right. Mm-hmm.
2: You can, um, tick and influence Instagram your way into, you know, complete, um, you know, you're just everywhere. Right. But you, it doesn't mean you really know how to interact with people. Sure. When you leave. And, um, if you want to be a musician, if you want to go, um, on tour and play with other people and write and deal with producers. And I mean, that's something that you got to know how to do, right? Yeah.
0: You got to learn how to interact with the world and people at some point. Right.
2: I would like to think so (laughs) and be, uh, you know, um, polite and semi normal and not just think everything, you know, I just, I fear, um, the entitlement that comes along with all that stuff. Mm. Um, the gen that this, you know, this generation seems to be, um, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It seems to be, uh, there's a lot that comes along with getting, you know, 50,000 likes on, on something in a day, you know, for what for what reason? <laughs> right. I don't know. Like
0: what is the deter- I I know you're trying so hard not you, to sound like old man yelling at cloud. Um <laughs> like you <you're- laughs> but that's what I am. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I it's more the reason I brought this up was less to cuz I am not like self-righteous about the way we came up being significantly better than whatever is happening now. Um you know the fact I'm that, not either. like the fact that like i had to go to office max and make like 600 flyers for a show and spend days like going to record stores and going to other shows and this and now some kid can like <laughs> write a blast fucking email or a tiktok post and do the same exact thing in about 3 seconds well sounds more efficient you know and and less environmentally uh Bad because they didn't make six hundred copies of something, you know? <laughs> like so I'm not necessarily hateful about it.
2: Um I just wa- Songs are becoming shorter. Yeah. And people are listening to less than forty seconds of a song. That is true. Yes. And that's what's uh that's what's driving like singles and mm-hmm. how people write music. I mean that's that's weird. <laughs> it's it's a whole separate art form, It is. isn't
0: it? Yeah, well, that's where I try to view it from the lens of, like, I'm not going to do that. I'm comfortable with the fact that, like, whatever's happening, I'm not going to do, and I know how to do what I do. And there's something else obviously enriching about it. I mean, like, a billion people don't stream something unless they're finding something out of it. But I think what you're talking about is... They're finding a distraction. Well, that's what's interesting, right?
2: Is like songs are getting shorter and... Dude, they've gone from symphonies to albums to singles to choruses. Yeah, the commodity
0: now is people's attention, right? right? Like, you know, every second of our attention on these devices is being monitored and really, really smart people are like, doing things to make sure your attention goes their way. And and we as musicians are fighting that. You know what I mean? Like we're fighting Mm -hmm. for that attention. And that's where the older I get in this game and, you know, I try to think of what we do and what bands like Trio does as something so uniquely different from that, that they can't do what we do. We can't do what they do. And there's like an avenue for both of us, you know, like, like that's kind of.
2: 100%. And that's, again, I'm so fortunate to have come up when I did and so fortunate for everything that Alkaline Trio has been able to accomplish and on the road and the the fans and the people, the community. I mean, we're so fortunate. (laughs) It's crazy. Um, And so I don't, I, I don't take that for granted at all because it's it's like you you kind of touched on it it's just fight you're just fighting for space You're fighting for real estate on that thing for a couple seconds a day or a week you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like and you know for that to be someone's distraction um but i want i want more than a couple seconds (laughs) give me three minutes damn it (laughs) give me give me 38 minutes you know split up over the course of a day check out the album you know what i mean like you have time
0: Listen, weed is back, man. People are sitting down listening to records again.
2: Flipping that vinyl, That's dog. it.
0: Weed is back. Vinyl's roll, back.
2: Yep, you got the cover. People you can like roll the up a 90s. nice little yeah. cone on the cover. That's what I'm saying. That's how we used to do it. Everything um, comes
0: back, baby, you know? But let me just say,
2: <laughs> I also want to be perfectly clear. Yeah. Um, when, you know, when I say, like, it's just a distraction or whatever, I don't care. I'm not judging you like everyone deserves a distraction and i don't really give a fuck what you do but when we talk about art and we talk about how it's presented Mm -hmm. and these are my these are my opinions i suppose but um it's like i'm not judging it is what it is you know what i mean i just try not to let it dictate my entire life this social media if you follow me you know i'm barely on there and it's like
0: (laughs) yeah yeah
2: most of the time it's promotional and i mean i'm I don't have any problem saying that. That's why I do it. You know what I mean? I I don't put a, I don't put too much stuff of my family on there. I I do sometimes. I mean, if it's, you know, it's I I get it. It's also part of my life, but I'll be perfectly honest. I'm one of those people that has a hard time um I have a hard time with social media. Yeah. I said it. It gives me anxiety <laughs> I, when I think about posting. Yeah. And uh I have a hard time writing that line of like what's what's postable yeah, what's yeah, yeah, yeah. what's personal what do i save you know what i mean I like do. i don't I really do. my you know i don't really need my my daughters like i don't need her accounts all of a sudden have like fifty thousand people trying to follow her and she's just a high school kid you know what i mean like
0: austrian alkaline trio fans
2: yeah it's like that's not what we're you know what i'm about and stuff so i'm with you i'm with we try you try to keep it pretty separate but I don't know. It's fucking weird, dude. I have no problem saying it. It's weird as hell.
0: I can imagine like you're rolling out the new record and you know, I just dealt with this too. It's like the rollouts for these albums and stuff is just so like,
2: bizarre now. I know you get all these different assets and this one's for Twitter. Yeah. This one's for Instagram. This one's for your story. Yeah. This one's for your banner. Yeah. This is, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, Oh, God. Like,
0: if you asked me 15 years ago, I would have told you, like, I don't need a fucking manager. We just have one because, like, I don't know, you know. And now I'm like, (laughs) Jesus Christ, (laughs) I need one so bad. I don't know what's happening
2: Um, out there, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Do this for me. (laughs) Oh, fuck. It's hard. It's hard to, like, think about all all the social bullshit to keep up with. That's why... It, it kind of blows my mind, the the folks that are out there that hustle on that thing, and they just turn it into their, like, they know every bit about it. The algorithm changes, and they're on top of it, and they're like, this is how this happens. And I'm like, that's wild. Get into it.
0: Yeah, yeah dude, I'm the same as you. I'm like, wow. Every time someone tries to explain to me something that will help me boost my own social media profile. I have the exact same reaction as you. Which like, is like, get after it. Yeah, go ahead. That's you, baby. <laughs> like, like, have fun with that. You know, <laughs> I'm going to watch some ESPN classic. All right. Um, but we're I, the one other thing I want to go back to, I'm obsessed with like, I love the fireside. I thought it was like the coolest place ever. I was lucky to get to play there once um I know you spent a lot of time there. Is there a specific like night or story of like the craziest or just just most put out there thing that happened to you w- w- at the fireside? Like what's the craziest thing that happened to you there?
2: Um the craziest thing I I mean there's so many weird things. I mean <laughs> just between like the the staff, the owner, Hammer, yeah, right. uh, attending bar, um, Hammer on the floor behind the bar. Um, my, you know, one of our mutual friends, Scott, working there, closing the bar. That's right. Um, I was
0: gonna hit up Scotty for some uh, insider information today, but he actually <laughs> made it out of Chicago to Mexico for a vacation, and I didn't want to bother him. He deserves room, it. So
2: good yeah, for him. Yeah. They're getting dumped. Um, They're getting dumped (laughs) on. It's crazy. I think you all are. It's nuts. It's nuts. I think you know uh, for the
1: non-Chicagoans, non-musicians, you should specify that you're talking about the Fireside Bowl,
2: which is the Fireside Bowl, which is a bowling alley on the, you know, sort of northwestish side of the city, Fullerton Avenue. Yeah. Um, and it was a dump. It was a dumpy bowling alley. uh, This guy Jimmy owned, and he let a fella named brian peterson start booking shows there and it's the one place that really connected all the suburbs that wasn't right um that wasn't the metro i mean the metro was the place but the metro was a a legit club 1200 people and you know it was it was hard to sell tickets for they were you know they're selling out ministry shows and depeche mode and shit like that and so the fireside was Mm -hmm. like a punk diy place that was you know before it came along we were playing um like benny said earlier you know vfw halls in the suburbs um knights of columbus hall all like you know just rented halls in the suburbs and shithole places that would let us do shows or people's houses um so when uh brian started booking at the fireside it was a central location and then that's when shit really started blowing up
0: did Brian book previously like
2: at? Yeah, he was, a, he was the guy like around a lot of the Fox Valley um, scene. It was him. And there was just a couple other guys um, that would book shows. And for the most part, I think they all, they got along. Um, Cause there was enough. That was for the most part, enough shows to go around. Sure. Um, but Brian would do, was doing some big stuff in Elgin at a place and by big, I mean, you know, we would turn out a couple hundred people on weekends, um, uh, a place called the third floor in Elgin. Um, there was another place there that was sort of a legit hall and names escaping me. Um, and he booked those places. So when he started doing the fireside, it was, it was a no brainer for everyone started going, started going there. And, um, you know, the bands had gotten a little bit older. I was able to drive things like this. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> um, and, uh, and yeah, it just kind of became a place to go. It was very, uh, it seemed to go unnoticed by the cops um, for the most part in terms of capacity right, and right, right. Uh, things like you that. You think someone was, was like
0: greasing someone or they were just like letting it go?
2: I don't know if if he was greasing anybody. I think Jimmy was just kind of a part of that neighborhood. Mm. I think him and his, I I don't know. So I could be totally off on this, but I have a feeling that Jimmy, uh, his old man owned that place and then he owned it. Ah, And I think he'd been such a part of that neighborhood and knew everybody um, that uh, when finally like somehow, this shithole bowling alley. I think it was starting to make him some money, just as the owner. You know what I mean? Shows were were sold out. Yeah. three, four yeah, nights yeah. a week. All of a sudden, he was getting, you know, he was getting at least something for that for Brian being able to do gigs there, That's right? Cool. So,
0: so people were more like think, happy for him. I
2: think people were more like happy for That's him, cool. but. Um, for all I know he was he was in the precinct I don't fucking know um <laughs> not for you you're better he was, off he not knowing probably no, right, more yeah. probably more just like drinking buddies with right, him is right, what I'm right, getting at yeah. you know so um or for all I know there were guys in there off duty like you know it was uh That's right. who knows but and also like it was fairly innocent i mean there was probably some underage drinking going on yeah, um but, like- but it wasn't like it wasn't like lots of gnarly drugs sure. it wasn't it was sort of a self-policed scene yeah, as you yeah. you know you know how that shit sure. works like we were pretty respectful for the most part and uh so i guess my i mean my favorite memory of the fireside i met my wife at the fireside ball oh, sick randomly she was coming up to visit a friend who was going to school in milwaukee and uh they came to a show See uh the promise ring and tuesday a band i was playing in um and i met my wife sunshine through a mutual friend and um you know but i didn't see her again for a few years just someone i met and uh really you know I never never forgot meeting her, and then she came to see me again a couple of years later, and that's more of the story. But I did meet my wife at the Fireside Bowl, sort of randomly, mm-hmm. and then, I mean, when Slapstick played a reunion show there for a benefit, um, that was at the behest of Brendan, um, we, uh, that was an insane memory, too, because there was, like, almost 800 people. Whoa. Weird that must have been lobby packed at the gills. Holy shit. It was crazy. Yeah, people were all over the lanes. It was awesome. <laughs>
0: That's beautiful. Um, I did I have I ever told you what happened to me at the Fireside Bowl? The one time I got to play there.
2: I don't believe you have.
0: I I was in my first tour, of that band the Low End Theory, and you know, we had driven many hundreds of miles to Chicago saying we were booked at the fireside, and we got there and they didn't know who we were, um, so we go to the payphone. The, the The man who booked our tour at that time was a guy named Alan, who played in Poison the Well at the time. And uh, we called him, you know, like, "Hi, we're here. Like, what the fuck happened?" He didn't have anything to say. And we meet, like, <laughs> well, I know what happened. Yeah, There's no show. Yeah, we meet someone, like, you know, yeah. for the promoter, and we tell him what happened, this and that. And they couldn't have been more cool. We're like, yeah, we have a show. Like, You guys can jump on, bring your stuff in. You can play first. Even gave us a cut of the bar. And apparently, we played with a very famous old Chicago punk band called Leonard's Innards. Oh, wow! You remember this band? Yeah. Yeah. So I had a very, like, you know, I, I played to fuck, like, I don't know, 15 people or something. But still, like, my experience of Fireside was so... uh Everything, talk about, like the communal aspect of it and the idea that a band could just like, you know, th- the idea that a band was going to be in Chicago and just like not do that seemed to really bum. I don't even know if it was Brian or someone else, but really seemed to bum him out. So it was a very, very nice moment, you know?
2: Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's the kind of place they were for sure. I love it.
0: So let's get into our lists. Okay. I waited <laughs> oh, this boy. long, Brad. Oh, boy. <laughs> Brad, you okay with it? We're an hour 12 in before I got into the it's Bulls. Fun. It's okay. fun. <laughs> so you grew up the Bulls. I'm sure from, you know, 90 to 98, you're just completely immersed in in Bulls culture, championship runs. Then you got your... I
2: am, but you know, you almost start to take it for granted.
0: Well, then you have your mid-aughts, right? You got your little, the Derrick Rose, Jimmy Butler, Joaquin Noah. Mm. Teams, or that's a little later, right? But great teams. Yeah. Um and then, you know, last few years, a little bit of a holding pattern, right? You put put the Vucevic DeRozan thing together, Lonzo ball. The Lonzo holding pattern. You know, that's this is sad, you know, sad thing. Once we get Lonzo back, exactly. Like it all clicks when Lonzo comes back. Oh, he may never play again. Four years
2: when Lonzo plays again. So it's gonna be a whole different ball game. Four more years. Um, Dude, what are they doing?
0: (laughs) Well, they seem to be doing the same thing every few years, which is, no, not every few years, every year in the last few years, which is everybody seemingly, the fans, the media, all knows that they need to change the dynamic of the team and make some trades. Then they win like six out of eight games, a couple nice road games or something. And it seems as if ownership just gets a taste. Every time they're like, if we just add a couple pieces to de DeRozan, this is our core. Um, instead of instead of trying to shuffle it up, and I get it as a, an organization, the Bulls aren't the type of they're a storied organization, they're not allowed to completely tank, right? So I get trying to tread water while rebuilding, but I do not know exactly what they're doing. But now the co they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> Did you hear about Kraus I mean,
2: getting booed? It's so sad. That was sad, right? Yeah, I hate that. I fucking hate that. I mean, first of all, I mean, Kraus is dead. Know, it was his just wife. His
0: wife sitting there. She's crying. If anybody he doesn't know an this, old yeah, yeah,
2: they, they, the Chicago Bulls fan base on Friday in announcing their new ring of honor showed a picture of Jerry Kraus, former owner, former. No, former general G- manager. GM,
0: yes, right.
2: The GM who brought you Michael Jordan and six championships. Six championships. Beautiful night. And then drove Phil Jackson and Michael Jordan out of town. That's right. After bringing you six championships out of eight and the greatest basketball player who ever yep. left. Don't boo the man. It might have been, might have been eight out
0: of eight if said dude didn't didn't take off for a couple of years, right?
2: Yeah. <laughs> Probably, probably would have. I mean, but they, they don't, I mean, just, so the guy's dead. Yeah, They start booing. They show his picture. Everyone starts booing. And then they show his widow. Ugh. And she's, she's in tears. Brutal. It's just horrible. Brutal.
0: That last this dance documentary not, did not do him any favors.
2: No, it didn't. No, that was, that but, was tough. But, I mean, they just, the Bulls shouldn't have done that the way they did it, I guess. I don't know. The fans should not have booed. No.
0: But But, I got to say, you know, I watch this roster. I like an Alex Caruso. Colby White looks good. Pat Williams, you know, maybe 20% of the time looks like a number. What
2: happened to Patrick Williams this last month? He's been balling out, dude.
0: He's very, you know, sometimes you got to start. You got to stop hoping, right? I think we know. We maybe know what that guy is now potentially uh not a start I don't know
2: why it's well he's so young still yeah
0: i mean it might click i mean i mean that's where you see sometimes you know
2: but he's he was supposed to be Kawhi Leonard you no know,
0: you didn't know Kobe White could run a team until you know Zach Levine you know went down you you know uh
2: but Zach's back and Kobe's still running the show well, now they're, and that's how it needs to stay which
0: it looks pretty good right right now you know and this is I don't, but this is the Bulls uh, problem is, this is the Bulls problem you're well, at the peak of how much Alex Caruso is worth, you're at the. You know what I mean? Like on that contract this year, you could get first rounders for him from from any competing team, maybe multiple first rounders at this point.
2: So do you? Are you saying you blow it up? Or are you saying you just deal a couple pieces? I would have blown up the Bulls younger?
0: two and a half years ago. So like, I think they should all like. Here's the thing: they're the Bulls. The Bulls should win titles, right? Is this team, as constructed, does the ceiling go anywhere near the current look of the Boston Celtics or the Milwaukee Bucks, even the Heat, the you know the Knicks, teams like that?
2: But the problem is the Bulls have a tainted. There's a tainted perspective on what they should be. You're right because they're the Bulls, and because of that historic run in the '90s, they should be winning championships. But they're still they're the same. It's the same ownership group same guy that was there before Jordan when they sucked it's the same guy that's there after that's right so someone brought this up on the radio the other day not to tangent no, but the bulls potentially are the are like the patriots like mm. maybe you lucked into the goat Maybe you've got the goat sure. and you got six rings yeah. and then you're just going to go back to sucking forever <laughs> yeah. because that's where the bulls have been. And it's got a lot to do with Reinsdorf and it's got a lot to do with money and the people he hires and the way he's such like a fucking, he, you know what I mean? Like Paxson was there for way too long. Yeah. 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 Garf, Paxson, Garforman that went on for way too long. And then you got Karnishevitz in there, but I don't know why he's scared to pull the trigger on sure. anything. But it leads me to believe it's got more to do with, it's got more to do with ownership, you know, because the, the yeah. same guy owns the White Sox. It's so Look right. At the White Sox. It's so
0: right, and it's uh, it's an under-talked thing about in sports. I love what you just brought up. Yeah, sometimes it's as simple as that, right? The best player in the world randomly plays on your team. Enjoy your championships. Change.
2: The best player, yeah, not just the best player, but the most, <laughs> um, the most. Uh, What's the word? Like he transcended. Oh yeah. The sport. Yeah,
0: he's like he, he's like the equivalent of like Jimi Hendrix in rock and roll. Like he brought exactly. he brought it to like, another level that it hadn't been yeah. prior. Yeah. You
2: you got the guy. The guy. So, I mean, good job. <laughs> right. You did you it. Didn't draft and Sam now Bui, what are you yeah, going to do? Yeah. So, but it's not like they this organization like like, like San Antonio or something that just perennially Right. You know, because of where, I don't know, because of who's running the show, they're going to bring you, no matter where the market is, they're going to bring you a winner. Even
0: though San Antonio um, hasn't won more than 20 fucking games in like five seasons, they can, Popovich look, has a little bit right. of a past to, That's starting <laughs> to look,
2: look rough. Yeah, it's, it's starting to get thinner. But it wasn't just one. I'd say Miami. It wasn't just Miami now, I
0: think, is the real. Yeah, Like, that right. is the Pat best run organization in, in basketball. It's got to be. Even though people yes. hate it. They hate it for a reason.
2: Pat Riley. I mean, I've I've even come around on Miami. How can you not? I just love the way they fight in the yeah, playoffs. How can you not?
0: Like like all of a sudden, this guy I've never heard of before is getting 25 minutes a night and looks like nearly as good as Jimmy Butler. They always have someone like that. I don't know
2: yeah. how they keep it. coming. Who are you talking about? Like Martin, or I'm talking about like a Haywood first, Highsmith.
0: Uh, you know, you're just watching. Oh. And you're like. <laughs> Where the fuck did this guy come from? All right. He's good. You know, like just, yeah. or Jovic, who they've been sticking in the G League the last couple of years and won in trade. And all of a sudden he's getting minutes and you're like, oh, this guy can actually fucking play. Like, yeah, they're really good. And then they signed the best coach in the league to, you know, but all right. So let's
2: get to our list. I asked you, hold on. Are the Bulls going to be over 500 before the break?
0: Will they be over 500 before the break?
2: What's that? Like a month?
0: How how far under are they right now? Three, three games under five hundred.
2: I think I think they're either nineteen and twenty two or twenty and twenty two. Let's look at this. I don't they're know. They're nineteen they and twenty two. So they made a big gonna run be, when Zach went out. Yeah, when Zach went they out, they were like thirteen and seven.
0: Let's look at our next is, uh <laughs> let's look at our next ten games here. We got at Cleveland, at Toronto, oh, one and one there. Memphis, easy win. At Phoenix, at Lakers, at least one loss. Portland, Toronto, Charlotte, two wins. Yeah. I, Why is Memphis an easy win? Isn't John Morant playing? John Morant is out for the season and Desmond Bain is out for six what? weeks. What what happened? He came back and he got hurt already. He's got a shoulder thing. And now I think Memphis is they just shut, I missed that. They just shut, just shut Desmond Bain down for six weeks. So I'm pretty okay, sure the Grizzlies go. are going for like a David Robinson Spurs thing. You know, I think they're going to. Yeah, where they can exactly. They'll still have job, but they'll get a they're gonna one. They're going to have job, Bain, Stephen Adams comes two. back, Jaron Jackson Jr., and then a top three pick. I think that's what they're, they're going for. so good. But uh, based on this schedule, I got to say, I think the Bulls maybe finish 500. Yeah, I think you're there. I think you're there. And that means they're not going to make a trade. And you're going to have this team for the next like four seasons. No. Enjoy.
2: I Zach has got to go, but who's going to take that contract?
0: Uh, well, that's, that's the thing you got to hope for right now, right? Is like they keep winning. Zach has a good couple weeks. And the Bulls for once in their damn lives actually sell high. You know? Like like that's yeah. that's what they need to do. and And I'd say pretty badly a team like the fucking Lakers... Uh, I mean, they need it bad. You know, like there is a bunch of contending teams right now that need a creator. And if Levine is anything, he's a creator. I mean, I, I don't think he are gets you? enough credit. The guy has averaged 25 points a game in the NBA a bunch of times. Like he can
2: score, you know? Do you think we're starting to see too much mediocrity, though, because kids are coming out so, so many one and duns are like the expected stars and they're just they're just too young. I
0: think it's coming around. I think it. I don't want it to it's not like some hot take. I, do I think just think
2: I the more I watch yeah, the game, yeah. it's like well, I mean, okay, maybe a bad example. I was going to bring up like Draymond, but like it's a fucking man's sport. Yeah. Like yeah. something yeah, yeah, happens yeah. to your body. Yeah, yeah, You know what I mean? Like when you're 20, you're just not the same as when you're 26, 27 or 30. Yeah. You know. Some of these dudes don't so that's why, like, I don't know, maybe Kobe White's just like Kobe White is starting to play with a little more intensity because he's starting to become a man. Right. Right. Like <laughs> you know now I mean? you're 25
0: years old. Yeah. Like yeah, something happened. Like, and
2: Patrick Williams is still barely 22. That's right. It's that's like, right. well, I do think. And I don't know. I mean, you're balling with dudes. Yeah. yeah. Some of these fucking guys are 37. Jeff Green was out there the that's other right. night. I was like, holy he's shit. playing
0: well, too. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think what you bring up is really interesting and I think it's starting to buck actually. So I think like the last five or six seasons, what you're saying was prevalent and you were seeing guys at the end of almost every roster who maybe shouldn't have been in the NBA, you know, like just not NBA ready players. Um, and I think more and more you're seeing with, uh, you know, G league ignite being a thing. um, You know, the NIL, where the college players can actually get paid and stay in for a couple years, is kind of changing things. Uh, I mean, even in next year's draft, it's looking like out of the top 10 picks, there's going to be only like two or three D1 college players in the top 10 next year. Um, So because of all these Hmm. other avenues, I think basketball is turning into a little more of a baseball situation where there's ways for teenagers to make money playing basketball now and you don't have to to risk like okay this guy is six foot eight 18 years old can jump out of the gym maybe we can turn him into a player i think nba players nba teams are done with that because the rosters are too small you know you don't have the space on an nba roster to like develop someone for three years um so i think more and more like there's going to be these ancillary ways for people to develop And I think you're seeing a lot of success now in the NBA from like two, three, four-year college players having more of an immediate impact. Like there's been a bunch of guys who, you know, I think if you're a team that's ready to win now, they're starting to draft 21 and 22-year-olds who've been playing D1 basketball for three years instead of kids because they can actually come in and help a team. So I do think what you're saying is totally right, but I think these new avenues are kind of starting to change it.
2: I mean, obviously there's exceptions, but overall it's just, you got to be able to get in there with guys that are just, I don't know, they're just built different.
0: And there's currently a 19-year-old leading the league in blocks by a, a f- 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 averaging 20 and 10 and leading the league in blocks. So I'm not going to say these kids can't play, you know? <laughs> Which 20-year-old? Victor Wembanyama.
2: Wemby? Wemby. Well, my son's already got his jersey. We're does, we're fully his on board. Do the stats even count? Yeah. Oh my yeah, god. They the count. blocks are so fun to watch. Oh, he's so much fun. I love it. When he goes <laughs> when he goes up for some kind of wild like it's like a dunk or like a mm-hmm. layup, but it's this is not even really jumping. No.
0: I love how once or it's, twice a game you see another player, like an opposing player just be like, "What the fuck just happened?" You know, they yeah. just
2: look up. You know what, like, what just happening. It reminds me of, um, remember when you used to have like the Nerf hoop over your closet?
0: <laughs> yes.
2: And you could like, you know, just manhandle oh, that little dude. Nerf ball and yeah. like just crush that net. Oh, it would come down. I was on fucking him.
0: Dominique Wilkins on that thing. Yeah, yeah. that's what it's like for yeah. him.
2: <laughs> that is what the game is like for him. <laughs> so amazing. What I asked you before
0: was to come up with a list of your top five bulls of all time by position.
2: Do, we, do right. we have
0: some contenders? You want to start at point guard or you want to we start might not at center? have a real list. Okay.
2: Center is going to be the tough one. Okay. So lay it on me. Well, center and out. my swing, my other swing. I don't... Okay. No judgment. And this is personal. This
0: is personal favorite. Not who's the no best. No
2: judgment on my. Oh, oh, okay. This is like this, so. My yeah. f- top five bulls. That's team. right. Oh, that changes things. I mean, because it's always a factor. But I was seriously taking into account a lot of stuff. Okay, so Scotty's out. Yeah, like I'm if you ask me, there. my
0: favorite Nets two guard, it's gonna be like Luscious Lucious Harris. It's not it's not going to be some like great player, you know, because I love that guy. I loved watching
2: him, you know. Well, hell yeah. Okay. Um, Yeah. So Scotty's out. Let's get that out of the way. Get out of there. I mean, do we
0: have Michael Jordan as your two guard? Yes. Okay. He is in. He's in. MJ. Easy pick. Derek Rose. Derek Rose point guard. Great. Bringing up the ball. Love it. Beautiful. That backcourt, Rose and MJ. Mm.
2: Then Pat Williams at the three. No, <laughs> but who do we put at the three? Because I want to bring. I love me some Lou Aldang. Oh, you yeah. You remember Lou Aldang? Of course, Dang? I remember Lou Dang. But I mean, he's sort of at the Michael Jordan spot, really. But I'm going to put him at the yeah, three. No,
0: I think that's fair. Dang, Dang was was six foot nine. True, he was a true. Uh, a true uh, a true wing. Forward. A true wing, yeah.
2: I All like right. that. Then we got Joe Kim Noah. Going center or power forward for Noah. He's gonna be sen- well, he's gonna be center, but he's gonna be sharing duties with Rodman, who's slightly shorter, okay. so that's why I put him at power I forward. I like that.
0: Rodman at the four, so got- Noah at the five.
2: Yeah. Dang, Rose, Jordan. So
0: we got Rose bringing it up. MJ, Dang on the wing, Rodman boarding, Noah down low. Goodness,
2: that's a team. With, 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 we're going to go honorable mention. Uh huh. BJ Armstrong, oh, as mentioned. Yes, mentioned. Craig Hodges. Yes. Yes. And Tony Kukoc. coach. No Heinrich, even though you're wearing the shirt. Bill Wennington. <laughs> One of my favorite centers. Oh, yeah. Charles Oakley. Yeah, I to love winning. I love that Oakley. I saw Charles Oakley yeah. play when I was like he eight. He
0: managed to be the favorite guy in like four different teams because of how awesome he was. If you ask any so New good. York Knicks fan who their favorite player is, it's usually Charles Oakley.
2: Fuck I yeah. I love that. That's a great list all right i'm glad i could come through no, you did it wasn't easy to make that's why because yeah I'm, I, I love i love kirk, <laughs> I love kirk Heinrich so I much know. and i what i did i never
0: advance questions like i know i don't know like i said i don't have a producer i never advance questions and and i was thinking about that earlier and i'm like you know what that's a tough one on the spot like i want to let i want to let dan mull that over a little bit and I appreciate yeah, no it. no problem. I mean, it's probably the most important part of this whole interview. I know, you know, we kind of <laughs> went through the landscape of your career, getting Trio going, this new record. But, I mean, this is really, I mean, you can attest this to is this. What hits I've on. been texting you for a while about this, and I, I usually bring up the Bulls first, don't I? <laughs> yes, he does, doesn't he? <laughs> Well, Dan.
2: I love it, though. That's what we do. That's what
0: we do. We got to, listen, we got to bring one home for the semi-normal guys of rock and roll, you know? <laughs>
2: that's right. That's right.
0: The, the one guy you can rock and roll with, but you can also go go get a light beer with, you know? We're like, we're like the, yeah, I don't, I'm not. A light <laughs> N.A. <laughs> like light, light N.A. Old man with one beer. One of us. That's right. Well, Dan, thanks for taking all the time,
2: man. I appreciate it. That was a fun. Hell yeah. Thanks for doing this. I'm sorry it took me a minute. Nah, you're all good. I understand. Yeah. But, you know, I was like, I, I can't do another going off track until it's been like nine or 10 years. You just had to wait until <laughs> the
0: nine year window came up.
2: Yep. Yeah, <laughs> I think that was the statute of limitations. All
0: right. Well, I'll see you in 2033, my friend.
2: I'll be here. Let's see where the Bulls will be.
0: <laughs> <That's it. laughs>
1: Right, so oh. I had to go look up my um, Fireside Bowl gigs after this talk. Oh, you did! I'm a big, I'm a big fan. I didn't really I should I didn't want to dig in too much during the interview, but yeah, I played there three times. Played there in '96, '97, '98.
0: Okay, which tours?
1: Once with the Goops. Wow. The middle show in '97 was with Twenty Two Jacks. Yeah. And the Lunachicks.
0: Wow. 22 jacks that was was that rob from black train jacks joe sibs band oh that was sibs band yeah right 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 yeah they were a fun and short-lived band so you're with the luna chicks and 22 jacks at the fireside did anything wild wet and wild happen
1: oh yeah it did i broke my collarbone leaving the venue yeah
0: you left that out of the interview (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about the fireside, and I'm they, we were Dan like for a crazy story I was standing
1: like up in the front happened? of the. I was standing in the front of the van, and and Dino, who was our singer, was like driving, and he's like gunning it, like they're gonna like race the Jax van. And I don't remember if Jax like pulled out or, but Dino like floored the fucking van and threw me all the way across the back, and I smashed into like the back seat. Oh no Like I flew like eight feet Through the van And the thing is Is like I didn't know What a broken collarbone I didn't even realize That's what it was Until like way later When somebody I described it to somebody And they're like Dude you broke your collarbone And I fucking
0: finished the tour Did you not go to the hospital? No I just thought It was
1: like a bruise Or like I didn't know what it was
0: Wait The broken collarbone Fixes itself?
1: Yeah, I don't think you can set them. I don't are, think you like really them. are you like self, a lizard? Are you still feeling <laughs> It has. a. I do have a bump there, though, where it's like it doesn't. Whoa. Oh, so it like
0: reset, but not like right.
1: Yeah, but that's how they all are. Like Ugh. I have friends of mine who've subsequently shown me their broken collarbone. Like yeah. they all have these not These knobs.
0: Yikes! So you got thrown across. How much longer of the tour did you do with the? Oh, that was the beginning of the tour, dude. Yikes! I think it might have been the first show. Holding a guitar. So how did you modify yourself to be able to get through it? I I wore a sling all day.
1: I thought, you know, I thought I like dislocated my shoulder or something. Yeah. Like that. Like I. I don't know what the fuck I was thinking. And in
0: that true. time of your band, there's no option to like, <laughs> like, what are you going to do? Like not play the show? That's well, insane. I just figured
1: it was going to be yeah. better in a couple of days. I didn't realize it was a fucking broken bone at the time. Like, you know, like I thought it was just like a whatever, a torn ligament or
0: something. But and this was is really why painful. people wonder why old people have clicks when they walk and shit. It's, it's all these hidden stories. You know, my kids are like, why do you pick your nose so much? I'm like, well, the actual reason is because I broke my own fucking nose when I was 19 years old and didn't do anything about it. And one side of my nose, I can't breathe out of it. fun story. Right guys. Well, this is why I don't fucking tell you anything, you know? Jeez. Just, just let me be a, a awful sounding old man. And, so go know. to the hospital. Yeah, yeah go to the hospital. But Dan, I know he was trying many times. Like I feel like we run into this. Do we bring out like the curmudgeonly old person in some I, people? You definitely encourage
1: it, dude. You definitely love this train. They feel of safe
0: with us. <laughs> well, I'm trying to get co- you know. We're all trying to get comfortable with aging and dying, you know, and yeah. Uh, <laughs> You know, one thing always occurs to me is like I always was just like flabbergasted when I'd see a group of old people and what they would talk about. I was like, "What is wrong with you guys? Like, <laughs> how is this a conversation that's happening?" And now it's so easy to see how oh. you could spend fifteen minutes on a torn meniscus <laughs> or a snow cleanup or you know, like uh, what you're gonna do with your septic tank. Like I see it now, I need that information, dude. Those I commercials
1: guess. becoming your parents are so like oh on those plate. are
0: hilarious, <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> I'm that guy half the time. <laughs> I feel like since you're like New York City guy, like every time we get in a Zoom or I see you, you got like cool glasses and a cool haircut. I think like you're fending it off better because Ooh. you stayed in the city. Yeah, well, you get out into the residential suburbs, it's too easy to slip in to, to Walmart. That you know? oh,
1: I would slip in pretty heavy if I got out, of would here. you?
0: Yes, definitely. would you leave the house in sweatpants? Never, that's Never. that's a that's Me sort either. of a line that I won't cross. It's a rule, right? Yeah, you know, it seems it's changed these days. If you spend more than like 45 dollars on your sweatpants, you're allowed to leave the house in them. <laughs> <laughs> Athleisure, it's taken over, it's everywhere, you know. It used to be scummy where I came from leaving the house in basketball shorts or sweatpants meant you were done. You had given up in life, you know? Yeah, yeah. You were going, you were going out for a 12 of light beers or a, yeah. Or just to do something terrible. But I love Dan. I like the band so much. I'm glad that uh, it's tough to see Derek Grant. One of my favorite all time drummers, one of the most clever uh, writers, I think, of, of of all time in this music. So but you know, and with a band like this, I'm, I'm curious to see where it goes, you know, like like it's a whole another evolution and I'm excited to see it, you know? Like uh Well I mean if Adam's staying with him, he's pretty he's pretty oh, major. Not league. so shabby himself. Yeah. But so long live Alkaline Trio. Can't wait to see another uh Ten years of this, you know. Oh yeah! I'd like to thank Dan for coming on with us. And Absolutely, taking all that time. I hope he sticks with the mustache. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what do you got for uh socials?
1: You can find him at Daniel Adriana, wherever you get your lies. <laughs> oh,
0: oh, hot take.
1: <laughs> and also on Instagram, which uh, that's
0: right. And we and, still have a Patreon, don't we?
1: And you can get Alkaline underscore Trio everywhere, but yeah, they're, you probably are everywhere there for them. And
0: we are, that. of course, going off
1: track at all your social media. And patreon.com slash going off track will get you onto our uh, Patreon
0: membership. It's cheap. Yeah. Do a little money. You get you get these episodes without ads. Brad, we post funny little videos do the gotcha. chat, what, probably bi-weekly at this point, but mm-hmm. we get on get on the Discord and talk to the people. Fucking down with geese. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's that's going to be the next tier of Patreon soon is going to be anti-goose t-shirts. <laughs> so keep an eye out for that too. Alright. Hot stuff. Uh, stuff. Alright, Brad, let's get out of here. Get, get your kids out there in the
1: snow, in the slushy yeah. snow.
0: Slushy, slushy. All right. it. All right. Love you. Bye. Bye.